0: Name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, here we are, Lord, your disciples, your children, Lord, gathered around um, a fire to sit with you, our Master. Lord, we imagine that you would be traveling with your disciples from one place to another and sleeping in the fields, and one of them would build a fire, and everybody would sit around, and you would just sit with them around the fire, Lord, and you would tell them stories. You would tell them the kingdom of heaven is as such and such the kingdom of heaven is as such and such and maybe a lot of the discipleship that they received lord maybe a lot of the a lot of the spirit lord which they received from you prior to pentecost lord a lot of you that that your influence in their lives lord was them just sitting around a fire with you and so we here we are lord also all gathered around to with to have you in our midst, Lord. Not to have a fire in our midst, but to you to have you, Lord, Jesus Christ, our teacher, in our midst. Hear us, Lord. Hear our prayers, Lord. Come now, be here, be with us. Allow us, Lord, to meet you and to be changed forever in your mighty name. Through the intercessions and prayers of all your saints, we pray. Hear us, Lord, as we pray to you, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is. Me. Stay our daily bread and free us from on a temptation, but the rest of Alrighty, get comfortable. Um, this is a a very informal intended to be a very informal event Um, we've got some marshmallow roasting sticks and we've got marshmallows and uh, we've got stuff to make s'mores Um, and we'll be handing that stuff around during the talk don't feel like ashamed or shy to roast a marshmallow in the middle of the talk you know you wouldn't get up in the middle of a sermon in the middle of church and pull a granola bar out of your pocket and just start eating it but this isn't this isn't a sermon in church. This is a bunch of friends sitting around the fire with Jesus. So, um, so it's intended to be an informal gathering and just an opportunity for us to gather together and hear a hear a few stories and pray and worship God and and enjoy um, enjoy His company. And so, with that, we'll uh, we'll just uh, gently get started. Um, and, and hello to all of our Facebook Live people watching on, on, uh, on Facebook Live. Um, Mary, can you do me a favor? Can you just uh, send the Facebook Live event thing on, uh, on uh, WhatsApp event? And uh, actually everybody else, I'll, I'll invite you to just pull your phones out um, and go to St. Mo St. Catherine's Church page on Facebook And find this Facebook live event and see um, and just pray right now while you're sitting here just close your eyes for a moment if you need to and ask God who who would who would have really wished to be here and can't Um, and you can just send them you can just you can like it or you can share it or you can send it or you can whatever it uh, you all know more about that than I do Um, and we'll just get started Um, as every good story begins Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, in a faraway land lived a lady not so long ago and not so far away, Um, actually, uh, in uh, uh, a small village called El-Kawemel in Sohag, Egypt. Um, And probably the bulk of the story probably takes place between maybe the 30s 1930s right up to maybe the light, late 1980s so not so long ago and maybe not so so far away um, lived uh, this woman and i actually don't know what her real name is uh, back in the day in these places um, uh, the a lady in a family was oftentimes named like people knew her almost by her husband's name so-and-so's wife or in our day and age now that might be seen as very misogynistic but that's that's just how it was and then if she if she had male children she would become the mother of so-and-so and so she was often known as Umm abd al sayyid or umma uh, saeed uh, and later on as umm uh, al-ghalaba and uh, if uh, you know her story already then uh, then um, well Here's a rerun, and if you don't then uh I'm so um, excited to share her story with you because it really had a, a, a really strong impact in my life. Her mother passed away when she was probably about seven years old, and she says that from then on she felt like she had been orphaned. Her father was into magic and she uh her mom had raised her to to really love God and to love the church and she spent all her time that you um you know in in church um Uh, She didn't go to school. Uh, She was illiterate. And her father was into all this demonic magic stuff. And so she felt very strange. Uh, She felt very, very strange being at home. And her father married her off when she was very young. And she moved to her husband's town. And in her husband's town, there was no Coptic church. Um, And later in her life, uh, you know, this uh, television producer... Uh, interviews her and and we actually have those videos of her being interviewed and she tells this story about how when she got to this town there were no Coptic churches so she found like a like a Protestant group and she started attending with them she didn't know that the difference at all and it it didn't matter to her and she starts to attend with them and then she tells them, but like, where's communion? And they said, no, we don't have communion. And they said, are you Coptic? And she said, yes. And they, they threw her out. They told her, you can't attend with us. If you're Coptic, we don't want you with us. And so she left and she was crying. And she cried to God and said to him, like, uh, I just want to worship you, Jesus. I just want to have communion, Jesus. And so Jesus himself would appear to her and give her Holy Communion himself he would give her his body and his blood and her husband was a terrible man he was a horrible person and a lot of the story is it's going to sound like a lot of the story is about him but it's actually about her and just a quick disclaimer um this this her story is not in any way advocating like uh, someone to persist in an abusive relationship she persisted in a very abusive relationship but that's not at all the Point of the story um, and, and if you if you are uh, you know in an abusive relationship the the church wants to stand by you and support you um, the church wa- wants you to be safe uh, and wants to provide every opportunity for that to be so so a very important disclaimer this isn't a in any way suggesting that one ought to remain in an unsafe um. Uh, abusive um, environment. That said, her husband was extremely abusive. He would beat her. He would beat her with 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 sticks. He would beat her with palms. He would beat her until he, she bled, until she would pass out. Um, and uh, he, was, he was just absolutely terrible to her. She was very simple, poor, uh, ha- ha- illiterate. Um, and uh, her husband actually at one point left her to go get married while he was still married. Um, and she would pray and she would tell God, she would tell God, please forgive him. Please don't hold this sin uh, against him. And, and uh, he left her and in that time and in that place and so on, the, the men were really the breadwinners of the family, so she was basically relegated to beg. He left her when she had, I think, about a five or seven-year-old son, maybe about a five-year-old son, and she was pregnant with another child. Um, and she gave birth to that other child, and she would you know, catch where catch can, beg from here, get some money from there, to just kind of try to keep her children alive. But she didn't just do that. She would take travelers in, she would take care of the sick, she would take care of the poor. Her, her, her children would tell her, mom, we don't have enough to eat. And you like are cooking food and taking it to the poor. Like what? What about us? She said, "Well, when we serve the poor, God will take care. God will take care of us." And she herself was a beggar, <laughs> like, you know. But when we serve the poor, God will take care of us. Like, well, what does that make you? You know, um, and and that's so relevant to us. A lot of us, myself included, we have we have like a very a, ve- a very uh, like poverty kind of. Uh, theology, like, like or ideology, we think, of, we think of ourselves as poor when God wants us to think of ourselves as rich. This isn't a, a talk about tithing e- either, but the number one reason why God wants you to give, to give to, to God, to give to the poor, to give to the church, to give, is because he wants you and I to know that we have, and we have enough, enough and enough to give. And also that when we give, God continues to provide for all of our needs. And that's what, what he did with her. Um, and at, and at, at one point, um, a stranger was, was, was traveling through the town. And, sh- and she, uh, he, he, he was stopping and asking people for directions. And he asks her for directions. Uh, you know, He says, I want to go to this town. And she says, oh, it's, she tells him it's the next town over. But you have to stop. You have to stop here. And you have to have something to eat. Uh, and and rest a while and then you and then you can go to the next town It's just the next one over so you have plenty of time before dark and he says no No, I, I really need to go. I really need to get there now uh, I, I can't I really can't stop and she says no. No, please stop. Please stop. Please wait uh, Please wait around with us um, And she looks down at his feet and his feet are all crusted in dirt and blood. And he's walking barefoot I was also very poor She says, no, look at your feet. They're all crusted in in dirt and and blood. And she says, no, 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 I I have to come, come sit. Wait, just sit here, just sit here. So he sits down. And when he sits down, she goes in, she gets a bowl of warm water to wash his feet. And she comes out and he hands her a Bible. And he tells her, take this. And she says says to him, no, no, what am I going to do with this? I don't read. And he says to her, he, he says to her, one day you will read this. And she says, the Bible? Me? No, no. Only the priest reads. I don't read. I can't read. And he says, Sister, no, one day you will read this. And she starts washing his feet. And as she's washing his feet, she sees the print of the nails in his feet and he vanishes just like Saint Peshoi who washed the feet of Christ and that probably wasn't the first traveler she took in it probably wasn't the first person that she took in but like like uh, Saint Paul says in Hebrews 13 too, you know be hospitable one to another because in so doing some have entertained strange uh, angels unaware and so and so she got to wash the feet of Jesus himself um, in this time when she was really poor and had no income and had nothing and was essentially a beggar and she would gather the women of the town and the women from the other nearby towns and she would sit with them and teach them the songs that she had learned in church uh and she would um and and she she would gather them and teach them the stories from the bible that she had learned off by heart um and her husband goes and lives with another woman for nine years Uh, he was a businessman a wheeler dealer and so on and at some at at one point um he he would spend you know all his money on this other on this other woman um never send any money home or anything like that and at at one point um he got he gets sick and uh he loses his business and he loses everything and the um uh as he loses all of his money and he's he's because he's 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 sick he's not able to to work this other woman that he uh that he had uh went to live with she throws him out uh since he doesn't have any more money she doesn't want him anymore so she throws him out and so he goes back to uh, you know umab disaid and uh he goes back to her and he's sick he's like almost at death's door she takes him in and she nurses him back to health and she washes his feet and she cleans him up, and she feeds him for months and months, and takes care of him until she gets him back up onto his feet. And little by little, he gets back to his old ways. Um, at that point, his oldest son passes away, Said, and he doesn't comfort. He doesn't comfort his wife. He doesn't. He just. He t- he tells her, "You bury him." Um, uh, and so this is this is this is the kind of, of, of life that uh, that that she that she lived a very a very harsh life a very difficult life and he he, she actually ended up having seven children four of which died and she buried them all herself her husband didn't do anything um, didn't do anything uh, to help Um, and then when the war broke out with Sinai at that point he was a carpet salesman uh, and so he he feared for his life and so uh, he Took as many carpets as he could carry, and he went up to Cairo uh, to to seek a, a better life for himself. And he was worried that he'd get hit by missiles. Um, of course, it didn't dawn on him on, on his mind for a single minute to think about his family, to think about his wife. Um, and he left them. He left them in uh, in this small village. And he goes up to Cairo as a carpet a carpet salesman, and he he finds a job in a carpet shop there. Um, and he uh, he works hard there, cl- and he saves all of his money. He doesn't send any of it back. And uh, uh, eventually, uh, his eldest son, who's living with with uh, uh, Omar al Sayyid, uh, says like w- like What are we doing here? We should go. We should go be with uh, with Dad. Maybe there's more opportunity there. Maybe there's more this. Maybe there's more that. And um, she says no like this is this is our town these are our people remember this isn't her town this is her husband's town but she'd been serving the people and taking care of them and loving them that, that they became like a family to her and she became like family uh, to, like family to them so her eldest son says well forget you you know walking in his father's footsteps he goes up to go and see his father uh, in Cairo uh, and he goes and he works with his father his father is cruel to him as cruel as he was to his wife and he the the, the boy starts to miss his mom and says you know uh, you know maybe maybe it would be good for us to to get mom maybe maybe and he, t- he tries to convince his dad don't you miss mom's cooking don't you miss how nice she was and he tell her she's a foolish woman she's an ignorant woman she's useless just another mouth I have to feed and so on and so on um, and finally though he convinces his uh, his dad to to that they should bring up his mom and his two other brothers because uh, he figures his brothers can work can work for him, so they send to them and and uh, they collect a little bit of money and they take the train up from Suhag up to Cairo. And she arrives in Cairo and she gets off the, the train and there's people coming and people going on the train platform, and she gets so distraught by the crowds and the people, and she's and she doesn't know what to do. Uh, and, and she turns to Jesus, and she looks up to heaven, and she says, "Lord Jesus, what brought me here? I was good in my town and in my village, and 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 what am I going to do, and where am I going to go here, and so on." And, and this man bumps into her on the on the on the train platform, and he says to her, he says to her, uh, 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 like, "Hamdulillah bissalama ya um sayyid." And she looks at him she's so simple it doesn't dawn on her why how does he know her name and she says she says, says Alhamdulillah, salam, is like welcome you know like uh, you know welcome safe travels kind of and so he, she, he, she says to him thank you uh, but I don't know where I am I don't know what I'm doing here and he says to her don't worry I will be with you and he puts his hand on her shoulder um, and he takes her hand with his other hand, and again she sees the print of the nails in his hand, and he vanishes in that moment. And she knows that Jesus Himself is the one who called her to this place. It's not, it's not her husband who called her or who brought her up, but it's, um, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ who has welcomed her, uh, welcomed her here. And so they take up residence in Shubra. She, she looks for a church to attend and she finds St. Nina's Church in Shubra, Cairo. Uh, and, um, and her husband, of course, continues to be terrible to her there. Um, business goes bad and, and again, he leaves them and he goes to Alexandria. He figures, you know what, people will always be hungry. Let me go become a fish salesman. So I'll go and see if I could sell fish uh, in Alexandria. And, and he goes there. Uh, and and, and Umm Abdul Sayyid starts to go and to try to visit people in their homes and try to do what she used to do in the village and uh, the people make fun of her although they're poor they make fun of her they reject her and she feels terrible she's rejected by her husband she's rejected by the, 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 the poor in the area um, And she just doesn't know what to do. She goes to the church and she prays and she says, Lord Jesus, I just want to serve you. And you obviously, I guess you want me here. But um, so show me, Lord, what you, show me, Lord, what you want me to do. Um, And she starts to gather the children because they'll listen to her. And she starts teaching them Bible stories and Bible songs. and uh she keeps the carpet business going that her husband ha- had started, although business had gone kind of kind of sour, and she keeps giving money away to the poor and anybody who's in need and w- at one one point this one guy comes and he and he tells her a sub- story about how he lost all his money and he got robbed and and he tells her, like, you know, do you know anybody that can give me a job? She's like, well, I guess we can give you a job. And her son tells her, mom, we don't e- we're not selling anything. Nobody's buying carpets in the middle of a war. And she says, no, 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 he can work. He can work. Teach him how to work. And, and then and, and she gives him a key to the shop. And she tells him, and when, you know, when, at the end of the day, when you cl- close up the shop, you lock the door and you sleep in the shop. And her son tells her, "We don't even know this guy. We don't know him from Adam. I mean, like, who is he? And you, you know, maybe he'll rob us. Maybe he'll this. Maybe he'll that." She said, "No, no, 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 no. It's never like that. It's never like that. I, we do, we do what Jesus tells us to do, and Jesus will take care, uh, take care um, of us." Um, later on, in in those television interviews that they did with her, uh, her son tells this story that. Um, one day they, they go in the morning and they find the shop locked and this guy Sammy, the guy that she had taken in, uh, is inside the shop and it's locked, and they unlock the, 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 the door and they they go in and they they find they find him on the floor unconscious and so her son Abd Sayyid goes and he's like feeling for a pulse, feeling for breath and, and he and he looks up to his mom and he says, I think he's dead. And It's a disaster. I mean he died in their store. You know, there's gonna be a like a, I don't know if they had coroners at that time or what But I mean it's it's a disaster Right and she she looks at him and by now all the neighbors are coming in pouring in to see what's happening and people are screaming And she says oh no, no, he's not sick. He's just sleeping He's just sleeping. We'll wake him up. We'll wake him up now So everybody figures out guys just sleeping overslept so they leave she closes the door and she prays and sees, she says Lord Jesus Christ uh, who raised Lazarus, who raised the daughter of Jairus, who raised the, the widow, uh, the, the, the son of the widow of Nain. You raise him up. And she, gave, she, she slapped him on the cheek and gave him a kiss and sure enough, he woke up and he came back to life. Another time she was walking in the streets and, in, in Cairo, in Shobrach, and she found a poor man, a, a paraplegic, and she gave him some money and he told her, I don't want money, I, I, I want to walk. And she said, Okay, I'll pray for you. Keep this money because you're going to need to buy a cane because God's going to heal one leg. Lord, heal one of his legs. So God healed one of his legs. So later on, he became that man became a very good friend of hers. And later on in his life, he, tell, he one, one day he tells her, You're a cheeky woman, you know, you prayed for God to heal one. Why couldn't you just pray for God to heal both of them? She said, Look, I don't know. He said to heal one of your legs. So I gave you money to buy a cane for your other leg, right? <laughs> And so and so that's another thing that started to happen. These things started to happen with her. Um, she would She would help people get get married with the poor uh, is a big problem, especially for young men to propose to a, a young woman, you know, you have no money, you have you, you know So she would she would and her boys weren't married yet, but she would give money to other young men who were poor to help them to get married. She would find brides for them um, and she was so, she was so generous. Um, her husband goes to Alexandria and he tries to work and he gets, he, he work, business isn't going well, he gets sick um, and he, he gets terribly ill. And so finally he manages to come back to Cairo and and Abd al hires a doctor and she pays for a doctor to come see him and the doctor sees him and said Says there's no there's no hope for him unless we take him to the ICU There's no hope for him and they don't have money for him to go to an intensive care unit So she just nurses him back to health at home and as she's nursing him back to health You know like this is what like take three now of this right? she uh, he starts to repent and he starts to come to himself and he starts to realize that that this is a really good woman and he has really done he has really done her he has really done her wrong and um, he starts to cry and she comes into the room and she finds him crying and she says uh, she says to him, "What's wrong?" And he says to her, "I want to talk to a priest." She says to him, You want to confess? He says, Yes, I want to confess. And she, t- she takes him to the priest and, and um, he offers a life confession. So it's the only confession that he's ever confessed in his life. Uh, he confesses for his whole life and all of his evil deeds that he did. And he gets so much peace. Uh, and he starts to tell his boys, You know, your mother is a real saint and she's a really good woman and she used to do this with me and she used to do that with me and he starts to to tell his to to tell his boys how good of a woman she is and that for for them to take care of her and then uh a few days later he passes away and she's so happy she's so happy not that he died but that he got to meet God he got to meet Jesus and he got to know how much God loves him and he got to repent and he got to confess and he got to have communion before he meets Jesus in paradise and after her husband passes away she continues to serve the poor and the sick and the disabled and strangers and then another time um, by now people have gotten to know that this woman is not is, is there's something special about her and she wanted to visit uh, a lady who was dying um, in, 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 in like a faraway uh, part of Cairo and she wants to go there, and so she tells the priest. And he says, "Okay, tomorrow after the liturgy, we'll take holy communion and we'll go and visit her together." And so after, after the liturgy, they're going, the deacon, the priest, and al Sayed, they're going to visit uh, this lady. Uh, and uh, it starts pouring rain like it's never rained before. And so the priest tells her, "Look, you know, Ahmad said I don't think today's a good day for this." And she says, "No, you promised." that we're gonna go see this lady and he says to her look it's pouring rain we're gonna get soaked and she says to him uh, who was it who was it that stopped the rain and he says to her, Elijah this says, Elijah she says do you think God loves Elijah more than he loves this poor woman who's far away and we have to go visit her and the priest like he doesn't know what to say like he doesn't want to tell her what's he gonna say of course God doesn't love Elijah more than he loves this woman but you know there's no guarantee God's gonna stop the rain so she steps out into the rain and she says do you love this woman as much as you love Elijah if you love this woman you make it stop raining right now or we're just gonna stop serving all your brothers and your sisters and all the people that you care about we're gonna stop serving them if you're not gonna take care of them we're not gonna take care of them either and the rain stops and the priest is like shocked the faith of this woman this woman who can bully god into into changing the weather this woman who has the guts to bully to bully god to blackmail god into into changing the weather um, and of course these stories start to come out um, about her she would visit the poor and and do their laundry wash their clothes of course then it was they are poor people they don't they don't even have electricity so it's all by hand, you know, and, and she would wash their wash their clothes and scrub them, and and by now she was an elderly woman herself, uh, but it didn't it didn't stop her. She had she had uh, over fifty students that she was paying their tuition and paying their school fees and buying their books, um, and and, and she, she herself had no income except this carpet shop that was what wasn't really working. At one point. Um, the people in her church decide they want to go hear Pope Shenouda's sermons. At that time, you know, it was a big thing. And so they all go to the cathedral and there's tens of thousands of people there. Uh, and Pope Shenouda hears that she's there and he asks to meet her privately. And so she goes and she meets him afterwards. Um, and he's the one who gave her the name Umm Al Ghalaba, Mother of the Poor. Uh, and from then on, that kind of became her nickname that people called her called her by. Um, and when when she would she 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 tells this she's so simple she was such a simple woman that she she said this story in uh in uh the in one of the the interviews with her uh said they asked her you know have you ever seen Jesus and she said yes yes of course when I go out in the service I ask him Jesus where do you want me to go and Jesus appears in front of me and we walk together until we get to where he wants and when he stops I know that he wants me to go into that house and visit that person and serve them So, so that was like it was normal she thought it was a normal thing to tell people that Jesus appears to me and he takes me in the service and he tells me where to go and who to speak to and uh, and she saw Saint Rebecca and her children and Saint Demiana and Pope Cor- Pope and the three and the three the, the, three, uh, the three Saint Macariuses um, and all of these saints and she lived this heavenly life um, by caring for the poor, although she herself was very poor and she lived an, a, a life of extreme hospitality. Um, and I just thought that her story was something that was she's a person from our from our day and age I mean I was born in 1980 you know so she, she was probably she she'd probably died in in, in the 80s um, this isn't somebody from you know a thousand years ago this isn't some desert you know some desert monk or some desert hermit this is someone who lived in an urban busy city like Cairo um, who just took Jesus's commandment very simply to be hospitable one to un, one, to to each other, for in so doing, some have entertained angels unaware. And uh, when she, at the end of her life, uh, she passed away with her, her children around her, her son and her, and and and, uh, and his family around her. And uh, when she was in her last breaths, she looked up to heaven and she said, "Lord Jesus Christ, are you here?" Are you here to take me? Are you going to take me now? And those were her final words as she closed her eyes for the last time here and opened them up on the other side as, she, as the Lord Jesus Christ received her into paradise. And so that's the story of Umm Al-Ghalaba or Umm Abd al-Sayed. And it's not her story. It's, it's our story. It's the story of each one of us. If we choose to look around us and not to see Uh, someone who's poor or somebody who's disabled or somebody who's sick or somebody who's in need or an inconvenience to us but to see Christ, to see the person who's around us as Christ disguised in the poorest of the poor and that's the story of Umm Abdul Sayyid so maybe now we can have uh, some time to to pray together um, and some time for worship and some time to have some fellowship. Um, what we've done on past nights, and I hope we can do this again today, is um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hand the microphone around and I'll invite all of you to pray. Um, I, I know a lot of us aren't really into like praying out loud. It's not our, our gig like Father John, maybe like other people do that, but I, I don't. Um, I know. Um, I know you might not feel comfortable, uh, doing that, but allow me to be like annoying and to kind of like, kind of to, to push you into it. Um, I don't like forcing anybody to do anything, but sometimes we all need a little bit of extra, an extra nudge to get us to do, um, to get us to do the things that we, uh, that that are, that are, that are really, really good and useful for us. So, um. So uh, I gave some pointers on past nights. So sorry if you were here before. I'll give maybe some similar pointers again. Um, it, you, might, you might be wondering, like, what would I even say if I prayed out loud? Well, you can structure your prayer in a really simple way. Um, you know, prayer is very simple. It's just talking to God. Um, and, uh, and when I don't know what to pray, and it happens to me, even at home, I'll stand to pray and I'll find myself... Either saying things I don't mean or, or not knowing what, it, what is it that I want to say anyways. I'll pause and I'll stop and I'll think of prayer in three simple terms. Thank you, I'm sorry, and please. Um, and so if you think to yourself, what's something I want to say thank you to God for? Um, what's something that I want to say I'm sorry for? Um, and what's something that I want to say please? Something I want to ask God for? Um, and so uh, This could be an opportunity for you to pray um, and to say those things. Maybe you want to pray all three of those things Thank you Lord for I'm sorry Lord for and please Lord provide me uh, provide such and such for uh, uh, For me in this maybe you only want to pray one of those things out loud Then sometimes also um, Like when people are praying out loud. I get it like sometimes, you know, like we get distracted we zone out. Everybody does. I do too. Um, and that's okay. Um, we'll probably spend a good, you know, I don't know, however long praying 10, 15, 20 minutes praying. It, it's probably longer than a lot of us would spend praying at home. So maybe this is your opportunity now to pray, to spend time with God. And and y- if, if other people are praying and you're listening to what they're saying and you agree, say amen. Say it out loud or say it in your heart. I bet you if you say amen out loud, someone next to you will whisper it out loud as well. Amen just means I agree. I add my vote to that. I'm I'm in, give me some of that. That's all the word amen means. And it's, it's in our church, it's in our practice, it's in our liturgy to say amen. Yes, I believe, yes, I want some of that. I believe. I agree. I want more of that. So don't be shy to say amen. When somebody says, Lord, I really want to repent and I don't know where how to start, say amen. Say yes. I want some of that too. Um, and, um, and if you find yourself zoning out, take this time as an opportunity for you, um, for you to pray. So we'll start off with a couple of worship songs, and then we'll just hand the microphone around, and everybody can pray. And I'll and I'll and I'll close in prayer. Um, yeah. So we'll do that now. God bless you. <laughs>